This week's episode is brought to you by Uncanny Creative. Jordan, what's Uncanny Creative? Uncanny Creative connects talent like copywriters and designers with Utah businesses who are in need of a little extra help. Let's say you're in marketing and you're working weekends on an upcoming brand refresh. The problem is you're a few designers short and you can't spare any of your time to shower, let alone find freelancers. All of our creative talent are pre-vetted by industry pros and ready to get to work. And because we handle time tracking and invoicing on our end, you can try out different creatives until you find the best fit. No commitment, no awkward breakups, no creepy LinkedIn stalkers. You can visit uncannycreative.com to learn more. Well, I'm going back to you. Welcome to Utah Famous, a podcast about the people, places, and history that make Utah so unexpectedly awesome. I'm Sarah. I'm a Utah transplant with Canadian roots. And I'm Jordan, and I'm a Beehive State native. How's it going, Sarah? It's going. It's going. Same old, same old. Same old. (laughs) Yep. I just finished watching Mulan with my five-year-old. Wait, the cartoon Mulan? Yes, Yes, because the other the other one's not out, right? The new one's not out. I don't think so. And I actually do want to see it because it, have you seen it? Did you see it in theaters? No, I I think all of this shut that down. Okay, I'm I guessing. wasn't. Okay, I probably. I just didn't know if it was on like Disney Plus or something, and I just didn't know. But I don't think it's on Disney Plus yet. I didn't see it, but I okay. I was just watching the cartoon one. I was yes. just in the mood, and I wanted my daughter to watch it because we've. I think we've watched it maybe before, but like it was over her head, you know, and I mean, it's still, right. and it still is to a certain degree, but it yeah. was really fun because she was, she's really funny. She doesn't want to watch any new movies that she hasn't seen before. Like she won't, oh. she won't watch Cinderella or Sleeping Beauty or like princess shows, which she's really into princesses because she oh, interesting. thinks they're scary or she doesn't. She just doesn't like watching new movies. I don't know. It's this thing that's been happening. So yeah, she only it's a to comfort watch. thing, probably. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I turned on Mulan, kind of like wondering if she was going to tell me to turn it off. And yeah. she was a little distracted at the beginning of it. And then she kind of started paying more attention to it. And I was trying to kind of narrate to my two-year-old as if I wasn't narrating it to her. Um, just to be like, we're watching this show. And anyway, at the, towards the end, she was totally into it and it was so fun. And just hearing her commentary of just like, oh no, they were hiding in the dragon when at like the end, when they pop out of that and she's like, Ooh, that was a good hiding spot for them. (laughs) And then she just like, she loved, um, Mushu, the little dragon guy and thought he was just so funny. And it was so fun. It was like watching it all over again. And so, yeah, it was really cute. Very fun. Yeah, I haven't watched Mulan in maybe years. I don't know. I, I honestly forgot. I mean, I always actually didn't. I always have really loved it. It's probably one of my favorite Disney movies. I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love this movie. That's awesome. So and there is a Utah connection with that movie. Oh, did you know that? Of course, <laughs> our favorite, our favorite singers ever, Donny Osmond. Donny Osmond, yes, is a voice. Yes, is he the someone? voice, voice, or just the singing voice? 
Actually, the, I don't know. Is he the talking voice? I wish I should look that up. Yeah, I'm not sure. No, it's so, yeah, it's so good. And then he did, did you see the, when he sang that with his grandkids on the sing-along? Yes. So sweet. On the sing-along. So cute. And then I just, while we were watching that, I just said to my husband, like, I just love Donny Osmond's voice. Like, he has such a good voice. It's so good. It's very, like, I don't know the verbiage, but it's so pure and i don't know like it yeah. it, it has it's like a very <laughs> solid voice it kind of it reminds me of like karen carpenter where it's so it's almost yeah. too perfect and like but like in a good yeah. way where you can just yeah. like it's so polished and strong and i'm he probably yeah. i'm sure he has like perfect pitch or whatever but he's i yeah. totally agree i think he has such a good voice it's 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 fun to listen to him yeah, and I really like the, that song. Like his voice sounds so good in that song. Yeah, I don't know why I am nerding out over. Oh my gosh, Donny you love Donny Osmond. <laughs> you know what? We share a birthday, so you do know. I do love Donny Osmond. That's so perfect. He really is. He just he's like he's like the perfect celebrity. He's aged really well. He's he like has kind of. I'd say he he seems like he's not like resentful of his past at all, you know? Like he yeah. did some like really dorky things and I feel like he's embraced the dorkiness and just Oh, for sure. You know, and doesn't seem to like, I don't know, his um when I was at UVU, his son was in like the choir there or something and I went to a performance uh-huh. and um he was there in the back, like kind of in the back of the audience and people yeah. were coming up to him obviously and and um and I didn't talk to him or anything, but I just I yeah. felt I was like, oh, he's he's smiling and he's talking with people. And I'm sure he's like, I'm not I'm trying to just watch my son <laughs> yeah. and I don't really need to like be. But he he seemed like super nice and just kind of yeah. stayed in the background. But obviously he you know, you know, that face, his son looked just like him. So I'm yeah. sure was it Don, his son, Don? I don't know. Is that terrible? <laughs> I don't Jordan. know, no. but he was in, it, he was in like a, it was a, it was like an acapella group of, of like oh, cool. eight or 10 boys. And then I would, <laughs> I randomly, they were warming up and I was in the room, they were warming up and they were like, let's go into, let's go uh, warm up and like, let's go sing a song in the um, stairwell. <laughs> And yeah. like I randomly was just in the middle <laughs> and all of these guys were practicing singing and like I'm just like staring at the face of Donny Osmond, but not really. <laughs> like this is so cool and weird and I am feeling also, comfortable. That's like that's like classic a cappella. Let's go sing in a stairwell. We need better acoustics. Let's go sing in yeah, a stairwell. The acoustics are better there. Let's put this awkward um, girl in the middle and pretend we're singing to her. <laughs> But I, Donnie Osmond legit seems like the nicest person ever. I really, I really think um, he, he seems really sincere. I never met that dude. Yeah. His son was nice the yeah. 10 minutes I talked to him. Um, yeah. But yeah, he seems like, yeah, does not jaded like just, or not like, yeah. I don't know, just really like a perfect but not like grandpa. Fake either. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. I've seen him here and there over the years. Yeah. I'm sure um, you're my, in his neighborhood. Or you were. We saw, yeah, we saw him at Black Sheep in Provo once for dinner. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so that's probably the last time I've seen him in real yeah, life. But he's he's around. Yeah, he's just 
cool. And we're Donny just Osmond is so using cool. their song as our intro, like we're all best yeah, buds I mean, and we're not in trouble at all. Us yet, so. <laughs> so we must be best friends. Yes. Yeah. He doesn't. He just doesn't know it yet. You you share his birthday. No. You're practically family. I know. We're like birthday twins. Just different years. Yeah. Cool. Anyways. Well, yeah. speaking of uh, being young and in college. Okay. Well, I think that's a good segue. Thanks. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you, you went to high school in Utah, right? I did. Two years. Yeah. Two years in high school. Okay. Yeah. When you were in high school, how did you hear about Hobbitville? Uh, no, I did not. When was the first time you heard about it? Yeah, maybe in my 20s, maybe. I don't know. But kind of, yeah, heard about it. Never been there. Okay. But. Because I heard about it in high school. It was this thing that like high schoolers would go and drive through it and they'd come back with like these stories of like, yeah, we drove through Hobbitville. Yeah, like urban legend. Yeah, and like we got rocks thrown at our car, and then they were oh. they were yelling at us, and there were all these yeah. little people that were chasing our car out of the neighborhood, and like <laughs> this. And I, I was I always wanted to go, but I was always a little bit chicken to go. Yeah, I one time I went with my husband. We were dating, and okay. we we didn't so we didn't get. It's basically, there's like kind of like a two entries right next to each other. So you could you could do like a quick uh, like U-turn kind of or you can go straight and go into the back of it. And is it is it gated there? I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's I don't know if they private. It is private property. and It says no trespassing everywhere. But I don't know if like there maybe there wasn't a gate when I ever anytime I've gone by it, there's not like a gate blocking it, which is surprising because basically every night they would have teenagers come driving down honking and being obnoxious so anyway we um wait i was gonna ask you where it is because i have no clue where it is okay yeah so so it is located at 1300 east across from westminster college Oh, okay. So it's pretty cool because Westminster College, which is all is kind of I'm not sure when Westminster was built, but it's kind of a um like Victorian kind of looking building. Yeah. And then yeah. across the street from it is like this weird place that it's it, there's so many trees it's hard to see from the road it's kind of set back a okay. little bit and I'll go kind of go into like the whole like yeah it's like seven or eight acres and um it's right oh, along wow. Immigration Creek um okay. but anyway so when my husband and I were driving up to it there was like all these no trespassing signs and we started going down the lane slowly and then there was a house and the light came on this is you know oh. from what I c- can remember 15 years yeah. ago or whenever and I saw someone come to the window and in my head, because in my head, only little people lived here. I <laughs> only thought hobbits it, lived there. Yeah, I thought it was like a little person, but I was so far away. I mean, how did I, how would I know? But I was like, oh no, there's someone already at the door. So we just like backed out and left. We were, we were worried <laughs> about getting in trouble. And also we didn't know, like, can we drive through it all the way? Oh, or would yeah. we have to turn, or, turn around, which I think you would, you would have had to turn around and come back through it you can't there isn't an outlet 
Okay. So anyway, we chickened out and we didn't go. But I have some friends that had gone. And one of my friends, she just sent me a Marco Polo, but I didn't have enough time to listen to it before. So I'll have to do a recap next week on what her experience was. But a couple other friends, um, actually our friend Courtney Blair, she said that she had gone in high school and she doesn't remember seeing anybody but they got they did get eggs thrown at their car which I had never heard eggs before so that's kind of interesting another friend said that she had gone she was like um, spraying for mosquitoes she like worked for the city and they were just like spraying the trees in the area and um, she had heard kind of the lore so she didn't like stick around very long she just like quickly did her job and then leave but she said she didn't see anyone but like it looked pretty kind of weird and cool and artsy and anyway Uh so that was her experience so yeah anyway so yeah there's always this lore and so I um and there's not a ton of information online but I did find an article um from City Weekly I'll read part of this guy's account which he lived there so there there are uh, apartments on the property and he lived there for a while oh cool his kind of experience and then and then now um it just got purchased by the state and they're going to turn it into a park so we'll go through all that oh cool okay okay this article is written by david hampshire he lived in Hobbitville, um, which is actually called Allen Park, A-L-L-E-N. Okay. And we'll get into the history, but I just wanted to read his account because it kind of like, it's basically, basically talks about all the obnoxious high school kids that would come into <laughs> the area yes. and that it wasn't like as cool as they all thought it was. But um, I mean, it is right. cool, but not like scary and you know like there weren't like wizards cool. yeah. yeah yeah so um for the so this is, this is his account and i'm just gonna read it because it's i think it's paints quite the good a good picture but for the past dozen years i have been a resident of allen park a quirky little private community off 1300 east across from westminster college a couple of generations of teenagers know it better as hobbitville because as the story goes it's a community of little people I've never understood how this legend got started, but I can't tell you how many people have looked crestfallen after I told them that no, there are no actual hobbits (laughs) in Hobbitville. (laughs) Allen Park sits on a strip of about eight acres running west to east, almost two city blocks along Immigration Creek. In addition to a main house, there are about 15 individual buildings, including a number of clapboard bungalows, which once contained about 30 apartments. That's a lot of people in this one little area. Yeah. At one time, the bungalows were well-maintained, the grounds were manicured, and the property was brightly illuminated with a series of wrought iron lamps on rock and concrete pillars. Today, the paint is peeling, the grass is losing ground to weeds, and lamps are gone, and only eight of us live quietly in what was once a bustling community. It's no wonder curious kids turned Allen Park into a de facto spook alley. So it's just like the perfect people. Yeah. And just wow. that they had so many and just that it's all overgrown and yeah. it, it really is like the perfect setting for lore and stories. And yeah, right. On weekends during the summer months, their antics became an evening ritual. Around 10 a.m., teens looking for hobbits would swarm on the sidewalk outside the brick pillars leading into the park. Then as Wait, if re- 10 a.m.? P.m. Did I say a.m.? Oh, p.m. Yeah. At night. 
I don't know. Okay. <laughs> then as if responding to a signal from the Earth's magnetic field, they would surge down the long driveway and pass the main house that guards the entrance. It was a game. Ignoring no trespassing signs, the kid would tr- kids would try to see how far they could venture in before they were detected. One evening, or as in our case, we left before just by a light a light turned on you were out of there wimped out early yes one evening during my first summer in allen park i witnessed this cycle over a couple of six packs with ruth price the granddaughter of allen park founder dr george a allen who we'll talk about um okay we sat in the dark on lawn chairs not far from the back of the main house drinking beer and waiting for the show to start (laughs) So Glenn, <laughs> Ruth's husband, he waited until several intruders were almost parallel to their concealed spot when he opened up with a blast of his signature salty language through an electronic megaphone. The kids oh shrieked gosh. as if being confronted by the ghost of Dr. Allen himself, turned around and skitter, skittered pell-mell toward the front gate, oh um, <laughs> which I just love. I love that they... That's amazing. Maybe he, he doesn't... doesn't sound like they were mad but they just kind of played along they kind of played into it yeah yeah for the most part these interloopers did little damage however my neighborhood came out one morning or my neighbor came out one morning to find his toyota forerunner's rear window shattered on many nights yeah that it sucks totally i i would be so i don't know how he lived there that long i'd be like i'm out of here seriously yeah on on many nights i've woken up to the sound of tires squealing and horns blowing and late one night glenn inter intercepted a group of troublemakers who had hijacked the trailer holding my small sailboat and were gleefully wheeling it down Ah. the drive way toward 1300 east <laughs> which oh my like gosh. he says a small sailboat and i'm sure the kids were like it's it's like for the hobbits because it's small right. like you know yes. sure it kind of all played into <laughs> someone it someone has a story about that small sailboat oh, for sure i'm i yeah. yeah um okay so now we'll get into the history of allen park so Dr. Allen, an Illinois-trained physician with um, eclectic tastes, acquired the piece of ground in 1931, so a long time ago, okay. 11 yeah. years after moving into Utah. Um, Dr. Allen had a passion for exotic birds and a, and compassion for those least likely to afford his services. During the Great Depression, that included a lot of people. He was an oh, up-and-coming yeah. young doctor with a big practice um, among the working working class, and he would make personal calls and never turned anyone down that needed him to come to their house. So it just seems like a super amazing guy. Yeah. When uh, this is this is um, Mary Rose, one of his daughters kind of uh, accounts. And she says when her father acquired this land, it was a small farm. The Allens, Dr. George, his wife, Ruth, and three children moved into the barn near the west end of the property. And they lived there for about a, a year or so. And her little sister was born was born there while they were living in that barn. They had um, a Scandinavian craftsman 
uh, style building being built for them. And I think that's what it's kind of at the entrance. It's kind of like a log house. In in the 1930s, the Allens built a series of winding paths along Immigration Creek in the expanse of property east of the log house. They planted trees and shrubs and created nooks with benches and tables where visitors could rest. They built fountains. They added cages and nesting boxes for Dr. Allen's growing collection of rare pheasants and other exotic birds. So just kind of a crazy collection. I picture like, you know, those fairy gardens that are really popular right now. Yeah. (laughs) I picture like that, but like real size. (laughs) Um, Every Sunday, the property was opened up to the general public. Mary Rose remembers a sign out on 13th East that said visitors welcome. And the Allens had a lot of help. Obviously, they were running kind of a big property. There were lots of people that were quite honorable, but they couldn't pay the doctor doctor bills some of his patients and some of them would come and and say i can't pay you money but i'll work for you so those are kind of who he would hire to help um work on the property and then but with that they didn't have a lot of money because a lot of his patients weren't paying and so yeah yeah with cash in, in short supply the family found other creative ways to develop the property they welcomed truckloads of soil discarded by nearby building projects they also convinced street construction crews to dump unwanted road material in allen park <laughs> so his nice. daughter said amy she, i think she was the middle daughter she s- remembers having to run out with their picks and shovels and spread the road really fast um, as oh you know the gosh. construction workers like dumped <laughs> i guess the uh, like asphalt or whatever yeah i guess so and then the and then and then their dad would take the car and run it back and forth over it and that's how oh they built the gosh. road which it's i like i said i've never really been there but just driving down that little lane it it does look all yeah. just like homemade for sure. Like piecemeal. Yeah. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, while they're kind of building this park, Dr. Allen was already making a name for himself beyond the boundaries of his um, community. In 1932, author J. Cecile Alter included him in a collection of biographies of local community leaders, citing his involvement with nearly every important civic movement movement in recent years. So he was involved hmm. in, well, I'll get into it, I guess. Among many other things, Alter gave Dr. Allen credit for conce- conceiving the idea for the Salt Lake Zoological Society. He was its oh. president when it broke ground for the Hogel Zoo. Oh, wow. Largely through his untiring efforts, this had developed into one of the most modern and complete zoos in the West, which is so cool. I didn't like that, that he cool. was part of it. And this is like one of my favorite parts. To generate interest in the new zoo, Mary Rose said that her father was quite a showman. At noontime, he would take an animal from the zoo, like a young mountain lion or something, on a leash, <laughs> and he would walk it up and down Main Street. To try oh to advertise gosh. for this zoo. And people would be like, hi, doctor, where did you get that? Oh my God. He's I like Joe that. Exotic. No, really. It, yes. So this next paragraph, I was like, oh, my gosh, it's Joe Exotic. So from time to time, except like with like soul and a heart and, you know, a conscience. Yeah, and not a total <laughs> and crazy really, person. really like love the animals. But um, from yeah, time to time, yeah. Dr. Allen would also keep zoo animals on the property. Amy said the list included an elephant, 
a oh chimpanzee and several reindeer. <laughs> Is that crazy? What? He would just like Wait, it's, take like them home in with Hobbitville? them. <laughs> in Hobbitville, in Allen Park, Whoa, on this eight-acre really property. The family wow. also collected an unusual assortment of pets, including a coyote, a sandhill crane named Sandy, and a raccoon oh that sometimes followed the girls to school. <laughs> they just had the most interesting life ever and so wow. weird, like, but Dr. so cool. Dr. Doolittle. He's it's a like, doctor. He is Dr. Doolittle. I'm surprised he isn't a veterinarian, but... Yeah. Anyway, he also served as president of the Sugar House Businessmen, Businessmen's League, and it was largely due to his suggestion and assistance that a monument was erected to commemorate the founding of the sugar industry in Utah. And that monument Ooh. still towers over the plaza in on the southwest town corner of 2100 South and Highland Drive, which I think that's is that right in Sugar House? Like, is that that t- I think that might be the tower. I'm thinking of it's like right by like the Mellow Mushroom and like Barnes and Noble. Oh, I don't know. I wonder if that's it. I should. I got to go look at that now. I know now that I'm reading the address. Okay, so Mary Rose recalls going downtown with her mother to the office of the architect of the monument. I was about eight years old, I guess. She says I remember her her helping to plan that monument and planning how to make that square there. It has to be that because it's kind of like this. It's like a little town square and it's kind of like random, not random because it's in the heart of Sugar House. But I don't think I don't feel like it's like really put to great use right now. I mean, it's just a sidewalk, basically. But Dr. Allen was also instrumental in establishing Tracy Aviary. Tim Brown, the organization's CEO, tells City Weekly, in addition to providing financial support and guidance, Dr. Allen also allowed his good name to be associated with the organization and helped strengthen the aviary's connection among influential Salt Lake community members. Just anything that involved animals, he was helping, (laughs) which is pretty cool. I love the Tracy Aviary. Yeah, yeah, that and Holgle Zoo. Okay, so kind of like the birth of Hobbitville. Yes. We, I mean, it kind of makes sense. It's kind of this really eclectic, you know, random hodgepodge park with like lots of trees yeah. and lots of like animal cages and stuff. And so once that <laughs> yes. gets overgrown, you can kind of see where this is heading. Um, yeah. So beginning in the late 1930s, the character of Allen Park began to change. Dr. Allen started to collect old houses that had been built elsewhere and had outlived their usefulness. He had them tucked away, tucked He had them trucked across town and installed on new foundations on the property um, east of the main house. One of the first was a log house built in the 1850s by pioneer Thomas Bohm in what is now Holiday. So if you think of like Pioneer Village, all of these old log houses that they brought in, they're small. They look like... They're right. made for smaller, shorter people. They just are like, like children. Children, like the, yeah, and their doorways are <laughs> or small hobbits. or hobbits. Yeah, <laughs> and so uh, that's kind of like. And I think I read yeah. somewhere else where they got them from, like probably old. Oh yeah, right here. During the 1940s, he acquired a number of old employee houses that had been built by a Kennecott Copper Mine predecessor company in a town on the west side of Salt Lake Valley. So like old mining town you know just like these little apartments that um they needed for a couple to live in for a couple months and so um that's what he 
had. And it sounds like they weren't really he had them brought in, but they weren't really like placed on like a firm proper foundation where they weren't going to be yeah. <laughs> kind of tilting at some point or whatever. Yeah. Um, let's see. I think this is from Mary Rose. I think the house mover was a patient of fathers who couldn't pay his bills. So he moved these little houses in here in exchange. When I was a kid, I would wake up and see another house coming down the driveway on a truck. <laughs> so these houses were wow. like just kind of cobbled together in pairs to create like duplexes. Um, oh, and interesting. some of them fit together seamlessly and others like just looked kind of funky next to each other because, you know, they weren't yeah. made to be next to each other yeah so dr allen named four of the buildings after his children there was the mary rose the roberta which is amy's middle name the george albert and the sally ann and um a fifth building that began life as a gas station he named it ethylene which i think is like a playoff of ethanol (laughs) um (laughs) so um but I think he named George. I don't think he had a son named George Albert. Um, I think I think he named George Albert after George Albert Smith. So George Albert Smith was the president oh. of the of the Mormon Church from 1945 to 1951. And he was friends with Dr. Allen. Oh, OK. And he would George Albert Smith would regularly visit the park. Um, he Mary Rose says that he would have his driver bring him out here. Um, mostly early evening. He liked to chat with father. I guess he was history minded and father certainly was. And George Albert Smith was a lovely old gentleman. So in his later years, Dr. Allen shared his passion for poetry with his visitors and renters, creating decorated, creating decorated concrete monuments in set with quotations, which is the weirdest thing to see when you think it's haunted and it's nighttime (laughs) and there's like you know trees everywhere there's so many stones it's almost like headstones but they're not they're shaped just like rocks I mean they either I don't think they they don't look like headstones but they're propped up like that and they have like these weird engravings on them that um I I can't remember if they're like from if they're from like the scriptures or if they're just like I think they're mostly just like poems but they're kind of old English. They just seem off, you know. Down in our basement, we had a grinding machine and mother would go down to the tile store and in the dump behind the tile store was the stuff, the leftovers. Father would go down in the basement and grind them off and make all his letters and so forth. And he would mix the cement by himself. Today, you can find these monuments scattered around Allen Park. So again, just kind of like funky, random scraps that he made into artwork. Interesting. And then in 1961, Dr. Allen died and his wife, Ruth, took over the management of the property. And then by 1970, um, a college student, Larry Warren, moved in to Allen Park and Dr. Allen's birds were gone. The The visitor's welcome sign had come down and the place was already showing lots of signs of neglect. And he says, I tell friends, drive south down 13th and you'll see Westminster on the right. Look left and you'll see the grown over bird cages and turn in where it says no trespassing. <laughs> like that's how we'd give his friends directions. Nice. Um, and they, he said that they thought they were entering a horror movie set. Everything was so overgrown and, yeah. and abandoned. It just wow. gave off a creepy vibe. Uh, 
it just gave off a creepy vibe from the street. And then once you got inside, you went, wow, this whole thing is overgrown and cool and funky old log homes. Who would have thought this would be in the middle of a city? So it was kind of known back then. It wasn't hobbits. It was like hippies. (laughs) Like that's who lived there. So the hobbit story hadn't really uh, came to be yet. But um um, Larry, who was the college student, he also recalls rent was about 80 or 90 a month, which included heating oh, wow. and um, which is kind of crazy. And they just had like a natural all the cabins had like a small natural gas furnace um, mounted underneath in a crawl space. And then the heat came oh. up through a metal grate in the floor. So anyway, huh. kind of. I've uh, I've been in a cabin that had that where the metal grate is like in the middle of the floor. Oh, interesting. So I think that was kind of what they did back then. But anyway, so um, Dr. Allen's wife, Ruth, she was actually she was an artist who grew up in Chicago as a fashion illustrator for some of the city's best known department stores. And then later in life, she became known as an outstanding outstanding wildlife artist contributing illustrations to a family-owned publication devoted to exotic birds. So her and her husband pretty much fit together pretty perfectly. Yeah, he was interested in cool. animals and she would paint them. Um, Ruth died in 1985, a year later in Utah Holiday Magazine, which... I didn't know Utah Holiday Magazine was a magazine. <laughs> I tried to look up this article and it's it like closed in like the 90s, I think, the early 90s. Huh. Um, so I couldn't find this article. But um, Ken Cross um, wrote a piece about her um, or I guess about Alan Park, noting that Dr. Allen's heirs were struggling to resolve the future of their property. And he speculated that the end could be near, um, which... Uh, It came in the news a couple, uh, I guess, like a year ago that um, it was the property was up for sale. And um, the city sugar house was really worried that, you know, um, it was going to be developed for like apartment build buildings. And they were just going to try to. Well, I think there was a plan of like um, a developer going in and putting up like 60 or so new um, units. Yeah. And so um, there was a petition that went around. I think this would have been 2018, maybe 2019. It was pretty recent. Um, and the city has decided to purchase it. So they purchased it oh. for $7.5 million. Whoa. And yeah, and it's, it's I, I drove by recently, or I guess... Well, before all of this, so maybe a couple months ago, and um, there, I think there, what if I remember right? There's, you know, like ca- cones or caution tape or something. Like you're not, oh, okay. you can't even drive down the lane anymore. And I, and it also oh. looked pretty cleaned up. You know, they're kind of just clearing yeah. it out. Um, so Salt Lake Mayor Aaron Mendenhall announced that. The city was under contract to purchase it. Um, she says Allen Park is a rare opportunity to preserve almost seven acres of unique ecosystem in a historic area that would otherwise be developed by private entities. 
Um, we have heard the request from many members of our community to use park impact fees to purchase this land, and we are grateful for an opportunity to be able to do so. And while it will yeah. soon become a city park, the area remains closed to the public for now. City officials say they will seek public input to figure out how best to utilize the park space. Um, but due to COVID-19, the timetables for yeah. public feedback um, and when the park will open aren't yet clear. But they do have a kind of a cool idea so far of what they want to do. So the city site plan um, submitted last summer calls for the preservation and maintenance of Allen Park as a public art park and natural area. Oh, cool. Yeah. So the city wants to preserve the artwork and quotations around the property and to formally adopt those into its inventory of permanent public art of permanent public art, as well as to repair and adapt the most historically and architecturally significant homes on the property. The site contains 30 examples of artwork, including mosaic tile, tiles and decorative concrete elements, um, 16 buildings, some dating back to the 1930s, multiple, found, oh, wow. multiple fountains and a family swimming pool. I, that's cool. Oh. There's a pool back there. 18 pillars, wow. some with mosaic panels, others that offer dire directions, and some that have their own lighting systems and 14 structures, including bird cages and an arch. According to Preservation wow. Project consultant Kirk Huffaker, um, former executive director of Preservation Utah. So let's see. The city's plan calls for the Scandinavian-style Allen House to be turned into a visitor center, while other spaces could be turned into spots for the city and community partners to conduct research and education programming around birds and wildlife under our water and water and the environment, the arts and cultural history of other re relevant items. And then in addition to preserving the structure and artwork, the city also wants to protect the habitat for the peafowl that live on the property and plans to work oh. with partner or partner organizations to protect those birds. That's Let's crazy. See. So after it is officially up and running, the park space will be managed and maintained by Salt Lake City's Division of Public Lands. That's um, really cool. It's kind of giving me like Gilgal Garden vibes. Yes. <laughs> like it seems like a more, a, a big, a bigger area, a obviously. Bigger, yeah. A bigger Gilgal Gardens, kind of. Yeah. With yeah, lots of. Like ish. Yeah. Like a little river running through it. Um, yeah. I think it so sounds like cool. it's going to take about five years to officially to get it all yeah so good. it might be <laughs> property may be secured and closed to the public during that time so anyway but wow i'm excited i'm excited to go in there and I know. I, i'm glad nothing like bad that we know of has happened back there because it just it seems <laughs> yes. like i remember the lore was like a whole bunch of little people live there because they are yeah. tired of being like in like living in the city where people are judging them yeah. or, or you know like right they just wanted to like live on their own so they wanted to like leave society so they built this little they bought this area over the i mean it's just like i don't, right. even, oh, totally. I don't know who told me this story but this is the story but anyway We've all um, heard it. yeah yeah and i don't know i don't really know no one really knows where where that story was born but i really think it's just because of the houses look small because they are small yeah oh i bet yeah 
So um, yeah. anyway, but I, I'm excited for that to be a park. It would be fun to go through yes. and see it all and be allowed to see it all. Yeah, and, and safely. And yeah. Yeah. And that's a lot that's, of land in the middle. I mean, it's in the middle of Sugar House. Like that's such a yeah, nice area crazy. and to be right by like pretty close to downtown and just that it hasn't really yeah. been like touched really it's still kind of its own little ecosystem yeah and it'll be just a nice park yeah to have that's cool so there we go hobbitville is not really a thing but i did ask my little brother he's a senior this year uh uh-huh and i asked him i said do you have you heard of hobbitville and he said why are you asking me this because i'm short (laughs) And I was like, no, <laughs> no, I'm just asking you if you know, I've heard about if it. It's he like had, still a thing. He had never heard about it, actually. Okay. And, so, and probably because I do think it's been kind of closed down for a Shut couple down. years, yeah. So, which I feel bad. I feel like he really missed out on like good, stupid <laughs> high school lore. Except for all the people that used to live there. And had to put up with the teenagers. Doesn't that suck? I would just be like every night, oh, here it goes again. I know. Seriously. Did they like, call I the have cops a headache. Leave me alone. Kids. I don't yeah. know. I didn't hear anyone that got in trouble from the cops or whatever, but yeah. um, I don't know. That would be so tiring. Yeah. Well, the rumors stop here, everyone. Everyone, there it's over. There were no hobbits. There were no <laughs> hobbits, nothing weird, just people that liked birds and animals, and an elephant lived there once. An, an elephant, elephant like is opposite. Nothing weird. The, ele- <laughs> the elephant is nothing weird, and it's opposite of a hobbit. Yeah. An elephant is really big. It's huge. It doesn't have a lot of hair. <laughs> nope. It does have big feet, but it does within have big proportion feet, to the rest of its body. Perfectly normal elephant feet. So. Yeah. Wow. So funny. But yeah, well, hopefully that I will open soon. I just learned a lot. <laughs> I know. I'm really bummed because my um, my grandfather he grew up in that area. He knew George Albert Smith. He was his. Oh, cool. um, he was like in his uh, ward in his church neighborhood group. Yeah, and he. He was a lot younger than him, but obviously, but uh, he knew him. And so I am also was like, and his last name is Alan. So I was like, I wonder oh. if he knew Dr. Alan. Yeah. And I'm like, maybe they're, I don't think they are related because I think his family had been here for a while, but I don't even, I'll have to ask my grandma. I doubt, I don't, yeah. I mean, she probably doesn't know. She didn't grow up in that area, but um, yeah, he grew up in Sugar House. So right there cool. in that whole little area. So yeah. That's way cool. But anyway, well, thanks for going down Hobbitville with me. Going down, <laughs> going down Allen Park Lane. Hobbitville Lane. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. That was cool. Thank you, everyone, for listening. You can find us on Instagram at Utah Famous. We post every time we have a new episode. We have a Facebook page that you're welcome to join. We're on Twitter at Utah Famous Pod. And you're always welcome to email us at utahfamous at gmail.com with comments or suggestions for upcoming episodes. And we hope everyone's doing okay in quarantine. Yes. Yeah, we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Well, I'm going back to you.